there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Shouldn't you be at work? And love. Oh, and love, he's got a real chance now. Peter and love. John Walk will take the penalty. Up goes Dion Dublin! Unknown goal from Ruddock! Ball might break here for Kiwabia. Pannister and Bruce in the queue again. Bruce scores! And Chris Bart Williams is in! Still rule Fox. He's gone to the left. Oh. Now, you know him better than anybody probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Oh, oh. And he No! Hello and welcome back to Quickly Kevin, Will He Score? I'm Chris Gold. Joining me, Josh Widdicombe. Hello. And the man who's still behind the picket line with Pierre Van Hoydonk is Michael <laughs> Marden. Hello. How are Good. you? Good. A great run of form, I would describe this as. A return to form. Do they say a return to form? Yeah, well, did our form ever leave us? Well, we just stopped. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> great it's return back from injury. We're like... You know, like Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, we're back to our best. Yeah. I had, that's um, not a reference I'd encourage us to make <laughs> on the show again. It's not 90s, mate. Mark Chamberlain, I <laughs> I had, um, in the break, I had an idea. I was basically looking into for another project. Remember, like, Top of the Pops at Christmas used to be a big deal. You yeah. sort of sit at home and you'd watch what songs are in the top 40. I was, I was fascinated by how many singles would you have to sell now to break into the top 40. Yeah. And it's not many. So suddenly I started looking into is what... Your, when you where say your is other project going? is that you're releasing a single. Well, <laughs> his country if album, you're, If you're finally. about to play out... Hear me out, hear me out. No, I'm not sure I want to. I li- so I looked Imagine into... Imagine you just broke into song. I looked into how you register a song to yeah. basically be eligible for the yeah. chart for digital downloads. So I was wondering whether for the Christmas... Chart like that week into Christmas. You've, you've surprised we us. Could, on, we could. We could say genuinely, this is <laughs> this is the unscripted. First I've heard of yeah. <laughs> I wondered if there's a world in which we try and get a version of the Adam Goldrick song oh, into wow. the top forty for the yeah. Christmas chart. How countdown. much do you need to get into the Christmas top forty? It's in the low thousands. Is it? It's really? in the low thousands for one week. So if our listenership, if 10% of our listeners... So they have to buy it on iTunes. They have to buy on iTunes. We can sell it for the lowest amount, which will be like something like 70p. If you held fire, waited for us to give you the green light for that week... I don't think they're going to... I don't think holding fire is the worry, Michael. <laughs> they're going to want to get their hands on it too early. Oh, I, is there enough time? Yes. It's nearly December. There's enough time. I, I suppose if Bob Gildoff pulled off lie, though... <laughs> I mean, Michael can pull off a Christmas number yeah. one. Imagine listening to Radio One like, the day before Edith Christmas. <laughs> it's just like, and Edith in at Goldrick. number thirty-seven, quickly <laughs> Kevin with the Eddie with Goldrick. Would we I have don't to remember imagine if we had to do a music video? And I, I know it's pre-correspondence, but on the Eddie McGoldrick song, we have had something. Shall I just quickly let you know that? Yeah. This is bonus correspondence. I wasn't going to read it in this episode. <laughs> so Kieran McGarry uh, emailed us. On the most recent episode, you were discussing strange things that you've had had signed. It's not a strange object, but strange signing. When attending an ex-footballer speaking, even at local cricket club, there's a break midway. There's a meet and greet with speakers. This time, 90s marauding forward back John Beresford. 
It's also the day before my brother's birthday. Without a present yet, I decided to take advantage hand out, uh, the free handout pictures of John Beresford in his pomp. Got it signed by Beresford. As I approached him, he looked up and asked me if I would like a message written. Yes, I replied. Can you write to Sean? Skibbadibbadee John Beresford, John Beresford. <laughs> it's the tune of Scat Man John. <laughs> Skibbadee John Beresford. I, I can't. Skibbadibbadee John Beresford. <laughs> you may not be the word that used the actual words of the 90s classic banger. John just looked up at me again and without even cracking a smile just asked, how do you spell that? <laughs> Thank you, Kieran. Uh, formerly of Durham, now of Sydney, Australia. So that's why. Well, maybe that could be the B-side to the Eddie McGoldrick singer. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie McGoldrick's an original tune. Well, watch this space for that. Last night I tweeted, uh, Instagrammed a picture, do follow us on Instagram, uh, of Andrew Neil, the BBC political host. Yeah. Because he had a very long tie on when he was interviewing Nicola Sturgeon that I was watching. And first ten replies, seven mentioned Hans Sagers. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cultural Is that phenomenon. A Anyway, do you want some correspondence? Yeah, I would just say, we've got a quickly Kevin shop now. Well, why aren't we putting a tie with Hans Sager's face on oh, it? Oh, okay. yes. Yeah, done. And then, if ever you've got an occasion, a wedding, <laughs> a work do, a Hans Sager's tie. It'll blow everyone away. Yeah. We need to get that going. Right. Correspondence. You've got mail. This is from Julian Newton. Hello, Quickly Kevin. On listening to your last post-podcast about funny kit sponsors, it reminded me of a time when I played youth football for a -a five-a-side tournament at Old Deer Park in Richmond, south-west London. We didn't have any kits as we weren't a proper team, so all we could get were five matching Simon and Garfunkel (laughs) T-shirts that one of the parents picked up from a charity shop a few days before. They were plain white on the front with just a Simon and Garfunkel name across. However, on the back were the dates of all their gigs. I <laughs> what mean... if you got books? The referees look at the back of your shirt. It'd be there for an hour right now, all those tour dates. <laughs> Needless to say, we got the absolute piss ripped out of us by proper teams like... QPR and the likes, not to mention parents watching. We actually did well in the tournament and lost in the semi-finals, so I guess we had the last laugh, kind of. Julian Newton. Why were there five in a charity shop? It'd be like someone round the corner's got a load, won't it? That yeah. he's just deposited. Yeah, there'll be a charity shop in East London that's going to have a lot of Graham Says Hitler's mugs in about three <laughs> years' time. <laughs> the, our local charity shop, you've got the same local charity shop, my Oxfam. Because I, I occasionally get like sent things, like books, ahead of release. Yeah. I like, took some books down there that I didn't want the other day. And I was like, I'm not going to say what it is, but I was thinking, they've got this book now ahead of release. <laughs> Oxfam and Peter and Waterstones to the publication of this book. <laughs> so, this is from Jasper Page. And this, you know, we cleared up the Paul Hintz stuff. Well, yeah. we didn't clear I don't think it we up. have clear, I don't think you no. ever will clear and it. And what annoyed me about that was the amount of people who wrote the email. We got loads of emails about it, and fair enough. People were going, well, this is the explanation. It's like, well, it's not the explanation because he's yeah. got the name. Anyway, anyway, this is from Jasper Page Moore. This is called Steve Bruce, Brazilian Jolly. Long time listener, first time emailing. Cracking episode on Steve Barnes and Defender. Mentioned the Defender pods and a book to a pal. He's a Huddersfield Town fan and immediately became livid at the mention of Steve Bruce. Apparently, in the 1999 2000 season, Town were flying. 
with a 7-1 win versus Palace in the league. All was going well until Bruce accepted a punditry job to cover Man United in the World Club Cup in Brazil. Oh, wow. <laughs> what? This was my conspiracy. <laughs> yeah, worry. that's your thing. It all slots Bruce into went place. off on a jolly to Brazil in the middle of the season. No So way. perhaps the Brazil trip in Defender could at what be what actually happened. Well, it definitely yes, is. Bladersfield's it... form plummeted in the new year and best player Marcus Stewart sold just after the Brazil jaunt. That's definitely the case. Isn't because that it... mad? He's gone to Brazil. Yeah. And he's written the book. Do you know how that trip to Brazil is like a real handbrake turn in the middle of the book? I bet when that when he started writing that book, Cabral wasn't Brazilian. <laughs> I think he was like John Smith who's yeah, gone missing. Yeah. And then halfway through, he's just changed him to Brazilian. Yeah. And then it's just about his experience in Brazil. Yeah, it's just it's just a travel book about his experience in Brazil. He's written what he found. Do you think he, he actually he drank loved that... those breakfasts in Brazil? He loved the orange juice. <laughs> he got recognised as Stefan Barnza. I wonder if Stefan Barnza really happened. No, though. that's just no. wish fulfilment. That did not happen. I bet it did. No, I bet it did. But there we go. So that's cleared that up. This is from Ross Givons. Hi guys, appreciate your uh, sifting through a pile of these. But I'd be surprised if many can top my tale of woe. As an 11-year-old Wickham Wanderers fan, I love to take on lower league challenges on CM 97-98. My finest moment came with Notts County. It was my coming-of-age story in a world of text-based football simulators. Suddenly I cracked it, the perfect tactics, a number of unearthed gems and a rapid ascent up the leagues. It wasn't long until I was ready for my first Premier League campaign. Then it happened. Innocently loading up my save game one Saturday... A tingling of excitement in my stomach as I prepared for County's biggest campaign to date. I was confronted with a sight that sickens me to this day. My entire carefully crafted squad had been replaced with cloned versions of Neil Redfern. <laughs> <laughs> All of them. The whole squad. 23 Neil Redferns. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> I genuinely think that I cried and it was never salvaged. Wow, what, what version of the game was that? To this day, I'm un- 97, 98. I'm unsure if I'd done anything to cause this, if it was a real bug that someone else may have experienced or whether a jealous sibling was on a wind-up. I don't know how you do that. In a way, I'm not sure I ever want to know. That, someone's done that. 97, how would you do 97, that? 97, 98 was the first version that had an inbuilt game editor. Yeah, yeah, but you wouldn't be able to edit a currently going game. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. You edit the game from where yeah, you start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine walking into your dressing room and there's like 20 new red flags. <laughs> <laughs> would George you Ma- try and turn the club around? I would. What a challenge. If you had to manage a team made up of one 90s footballer. In every t- position. Times, no, time 23. Nicholas what? Alexanderson, don't even think that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Ross. Um, if anyone's had that, do let us know. If anyone's had any funny uh, shirts that they had to wear in their football team, or um, if anyone picked up a uh, biography in our Oxfam on um, Road. Get in touch here. Get in touch with the show. Email hello at quicklykevin.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at quicklykevin, and sign up to the mailing list at quicklykevin.com. Now we've got a guest who represented Coventry City in the 90s and we know, we get emails about this all the time, we know we're mugging off Coventry and one day we will have a special purely about Coventry. The wheels are in motion, believe me. We've got the main man from Coventry in the pipeline. 
coming soon in 2020 to do a Coventry episode. But for now, as a little taster, here is Darren Huckabee. Good tight control. He's going all the way. Is he going to finish? He is. Oh, a magnificent goal from Darren Huckabee. Our guest this week is a cult legend of 90s football and beyond, having played for Newcastle, Coventry, Leeds, Manchester City and Norwich. He scored one of the iconic goals of the decade against Manchester United with a trademark drop of the shoulder and solo run and finish. It's our pleasure to welcome to Quickly Kevin, Darren Huckabee. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks for having me. Um, I have to say, Darren, we've had quite a few former pros on here, but none have looked as ripped as you do today. You look like you could still go out there and play right now. I could for probably about six or seven minutes. <laughs> and then some big centre-half would just boot me in the air and that would be it. I'd have to... Are you still it. really fast? Yeah, I am, yeah. <laughs> no, I, am. I, I, I do do a lot of fitness work, but yeah, I still play flex football a little yeah. bit. So, yeah, they, they still get a bit of a surprise when I knock it and run. <laughs> I think that's how I used to look ten years ago. But... So we're going to get into your whole career, but we we're going to kick off. And you may know this question is coming because I understand you've listened to a few episodes. But can you name your sponsors throughout the '90s? So we've got Lincoln, Newcastle, Millwall, Coventry, Leeds, and City. How many of those sponsors can you name? I'd have a go. I'm not entirely certain, but I'll have a go. Okay. Lincoln was Lincoln Echo. Correct. Yeah. Newcastle would have been uh, Newcastle Brown. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where are we going after that? Millwall on loan. It's a tough one, this. No, I wouldn't know that, honestly. South London Press. I should have gone for the local press. <laughs> yeah. uh, then Coventry, Coventry would have been Peugeot. Yeah. When we first got there. And then it was Subaru. Yes. Oh, wow. I got, is, I, I, is... We had one of them, so that was all right. It was good fun. <laughs> did you get a free Subaru? No, we had to pay for it, but I did have gold wheels and big spoiler and all that kind of stuff. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Did you yeah. get a personalised Huckabee number flight? Not at the time. Not at the time, no. <laughs> anyway, we're going after that. And then Leeds... Oh, this is a tough one. This I think it was only for a year. The sponsor. I had the, I had one of these personal computer. Oh, Packard Bell. Yes. yes. Yeah. And then still computer based Man City. Idos was it? Yes. Idos, Idos. That's the great. So, do you know what? That's the best anyone's yeah. ever done at that quiz. <laughs> so let's wind the clock right back back to Nottingham, where you were born. Who did you support growing up? Uh, I didn't really support anyone really. Obviously, I followed Forest and County. I played for County as a kid. Uh, but I was always playing Saturdays. You had two games on a Saturday, one game on a Sunday, so literally you didn't get to go and watch many games. Oh, really? So, you know, that's how youth, youth football used to be. You didn't, you know, play one game a weekend and six training sessions like they do now. You, yeah. you played for your county on the Sunday, Saturday morning, your normal team on the Saturday afternoon, and then the, your proper team, which was not County, you know, under 15s and 16s on the Sunday. So, you know, you didn't really get much time oh, really? to... And they say that Premier League footballers have got too many games, but three on a weekend. Every weekend, yeah. No wonder everyone's joints are knackered. (laughs) (laughs) None of the old players can walk anymore. That's because they play too much football. But I think they've got the balance probably a bit right now. Were you you amazing? Were you way better than everyone else of your level? You must. Uh, I don't know. I was was kind of a different kind of player then. So I was kind of a more of a fox in a box kind of sharp striker. You know, it wasn't until really 16, 17 where I got a little bit bigger and a little bit quicker. So yeah. I was kind of a more of a clinical finisher and I kind of changed my game as I got a bit older. You, your professional career starts at Lincoln, age 17. How did you end up at Lincoln then? I got released by Notts County and tried all the local clubs around my area. You know, the, the Rotherham, Sheffield United, Sheffield Wednesdays, all them kind of the Midlands teams. And I was struggling. Couldn't get any kind of luck, really. Well, not luck, but no one was really interested because I was kind of, kind of small. But my dad used to play with Keith Alexander. Yeah. Like in the local leagues of, in Nottingham. So... Last minute, I got a trial at Lincoln. 
uh, scored six in the trial game. Scored six and six. It, it, it took <laughs> a me double hatch. It took me, you know, straight away. I, I don't think there was any spaces left, but yeah. because I, you know, I did pretty well. You know, sometimes you just got to take your chance and you score six. Score six, <laughs> and I, I never looked back. You know, I was That's top goal scorer in the youth team both both years. Scored on my debut for Lincoln. But you look for your career, and like you scored so many goals, and you played at such a high level. It, could you have slipped through the net? Is it was it luck, or would you eventually have ended up playing professionally anyway? Uh, I think that my mental strength and my work ethic would have got me got me through eventually. But you, you don't know, you know. Sometimes all you need is someone to you get a bad injury at seventeen, eighteen, and you, yeah. you're done. Yeah. So you got a, a YTS. You were on a YTS scheme. We hear horror stories from YTS schemes in the Premier League in this era. So what's it like at Lincoln City? Are you like are horrific. you on the roof? Are you like horrific. hammering? No, the... no. You looked at me with a kind of sadness <laughs> in your eyes. Then. You know, we, obviously you move away. You, you, you're away from home when you're sixteen. I was kind of a late developer as well. So, you know, at 16, I've just finished school. I'm going straight into moving away from home, living with in digs with other lads. Uh, What's that like in digs with other lads? I think I got promised all kinds of stuff, as in what was at the house and what kind of house it was, and it wasn't what was uh, sold to me, I'm afraid. <laughs> Paint a picture of this house. What's it look like? Just a little, little ter- terrace house, five minutes from Sinsel Bank. How many of you are in the house? I think it was five of us. Five? Five of lads. Five four, lads. Four or five lads, yeah. So, you got your own room? Or? No, no, we've shared a room. In my mind, there's like a kind of matron figure in that. How is there like a woman running? Like, no, no, there was a Gwen Cliff, two, two old folks. And when I say old, they were in the 65, 70 odd. Yeah. And it was meeting two veg every night. That's what you, a variation of meeting two veg every night. Yeah, it was hard work. <laughs> Especially as, you know, you're trying to be an athlete. And yeah. You, <laughs> like, that's yeah, she, actually, she, she actually started crying when we asked her for pasta that's those guys on the started tree. crying yeah <laughs> well like someone's got to ask her because literally we've got a game on game on saturday and we're running around with like meat and yeah it was, it, it was tough but it's an iron opener but it wasn't yeah. just the living it was a the day-to-day of being an apprentice so you what know? does that involve well we did everything we had to wash kit we had to wash kit we had to ball boy while the first team were training and we had to train in the afternoons and someone had to come back at night at 10 o'clock to turn the dryers back on to make sure <laughs> the kit was ready for the for the morning and because we were the closest it was one of us who had to go you oh. had the keys to the ground wow did you ever just go for a kickabout in the ground when you no, no. he was just no, cause we, it, was, it was literally 8 till 6 every day so yeah. when you was away from there you you didn't want to, want to go back for a laugh. Stay away from there. Yeah. <laughs> but it's good because you realise that they had to put the work in and yeah. I think it gave people a discipline. You must have been one of the last generation to have an experience like that as a youth team because it kind of ended at the Premier League era. Begins. Do you look at kids now and think, you don't know how lucky you are? A little bit because I, I worked in the academy a little bit and to be honest with you, they don't really do much now. You know, Which, which is probably right. We yeah. probably did a bit too much the other way but you also, you appreciate it when you... When you played, you know, we used to you know, clean in proper boots when it used to be the old leather boots where yeah. you had to polish and shine them. It's not like today where you just wash them off, they're all plastic. Do you look back on it fondly? I, I do, yeah. Especially because I kind of had a, a quick leap from there to Newcastle and you kind of saw what the real, you know, what the rest of the world was like. Yeah. You know, going to Newcastle and then going back to Coventry, it was kind of like Newcastle was up there and Coventry was kind of back down to earth a little bit more. Um, you played briefly under one of the most infamous managers in the lower leagues, John Beck. Um, there's so many stories about this. They're all true. Oh, they're, Are they? So, they're all true. Did you, were you excited to play under no. John Beck? <laughs> no. I love I love the idea of John Beck. I just want to read out some of these stories and you can say whether you saw them or not. He once fined a goalkeeper for throwing it short rather than punting it down the pitch. Yep, definitely <laughs> true. 
played a centre back as a centre forward because he just wanted a big lump. That would have been definitely true. <laughs> and had deliberately trained on the central bank pitch every day, so it'd be a complete mess come match day. Yeah, it basically I've seen it seen him warthog in the pitch on purpose. <laughs> he used to leave the the, the officers' sides longer, so yeah. the ball would stop in the corners. Yeah. In one of my first games, he actually threatened to take me off if I came inside and shot. <laughs> I, got I beat three people, cut inside, had a shot. The keeper saved it, but he, cut, he caught it. Yeah. He pulled me on and said, next time, go down the wing and try and get a corner. <laughs> try and get so a corner. So you can get the big lads up. That's what goes on the street. <laughs> I, I, only played, I only played about three games with him because, yeah. and then I got sold on. But like the ice buckets in the... In so the, did he throw ice water? Well, he tried before? to. I'm, even, even me at... I know, 18, I've seen because it's not going to make me better soaking cold or freezing, is it? It's like, <laughs> but that, that was all true. Wow. So what was the, that one? He would throw ice water on you? Oh, no, to you, had to, of... you had to run, there's like a gauntlet where you had to run through the shower and you had the young guys chucking ice water on you to, before the game to try and... Did you G you up or something? I don't know what it did. It? <laughs> but the thing is, he had success at Cambridge yeah. with yeah. that and, you know, I don't think it can work everywhere. You yeah. know, he must have had some tough old boots in that, that dressing room. Obviously, Dion and Liam Day, they played for him at... Cambridge, yeah. so they might have been all right with it. Did but... you share stories with them? Like, did they talk fondly of him? Or well, they, if, when you're successful, you do anything. I yeah. think, especially if you're lower league, you, you're kind of like you'll just do anything if it's going to make you make you successful and bring you a few quid in. So yeah, but it was ridiculous. Was he scary? No, <laughs> no, he wasn't scary. But he just when you're manager, you do got, got to do what your manager says. Yeah, the worst thing about it now he's actually does the FA coaching courses now. Does he? Does he? It does. I think he does UA for B and UA for A. And I'm thinking, wait, mate, I played for you. So I, how can you be telling people how to do short passes and dropping in the holes and all that kind of stuff? Come Is on. Is he like a kind of, you know, when like someone converts to Christianity or something, totally changes? He's now yeah. really into like tiki taka or like. Well, it's madness. Because you, you can't go from one, one extreme to the other like that. Yeah. Was it difficult to play in his. Did he have very, he had very set kind of ways the team would play then? You just get it and smash it in the corners. He actually, because I had played with a lad in called Matt Carman, I don't know if you can remember him, big centre-half, right. played for West Brom and Derby, I think. And he was in our youth team, and he was obviously a big lad, and he said, I'm going to build a team around you two. I'm going to get it and smash it in the up to carbs. He's going to flick it on. I was thinking, this, is, this ain't for me. <laughs> this ain't for me. Even though I went to play for commentary, and we kind of did the same variation with Dion, but yeah. it was slightly different. <laughs> a bit cleverer, higher Yeah, yeah no, it was different, and like yeah. I say, it wasn't a mud bath and... The grass was six inches longer on the, on the wings. <laughs> so you've got this, the grass in the, the corner of the pitch, the ice chucking over you before the game. Then you find out Newcastle have picked up the phone and asked for your services. I bet you couldn't wait to get out, could you? It's really, it's really strange because you're kind of like... I was at a game and he said, oh, you're not playing tonight. Keegan's in the crowd. He wants you to go with him and stay at his house tonight and sort out a deal tomorrow at Newcastle. How many games had you played at this point? I don't know, 30 something, 35. So you, did you have any idea this was going to happen? There were rumours that Man United or Newcastle were watching. That's because yeah. you, you don't know, dear. But the scouts they send all the time, and I was playing pretty well. But you, you, you know, it's a big jump from earning a lot of corners, that kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> bottom of the third division because that's where we were at the time. Yeah, to Newcastle and Man United who were one and two in the Premier League. That's mad. So you yeah. must have been unbelievably better than everyone around you. I was probably eye catching just because yeah. I was quicker and you know I was direct and. Like I did all the way from my career, I played the same way basically. Just got a little bit better at doing it when I got a bit older. But I can remember ringing my mate up who was, who was at Lincoln at the time. I said, "Mate, you ain't gonna believe this. I'm actually in Kevin Keegan's bedroom, <laughs> but not not Kevin Keegan's bedroom, but one of Kevin Keegan's other bedrooms." Yeah, yeah. Did you call from the landline? No, no, I'm a, I'm a, oh. I'm a, I had a mobile phone. What was Kevin Keegan's house like? It was nice. It was on the estate of Sir John Orr's estate. 
Okay. Oh, really? Yeah. So my dad drove up the next day to negotiate a deal and all this kind of stuff. So, so you just went up to his house? Staying in his house, yeah. And so, what was it like staying in the it house? Was Kevin? It was weird. It was weird. Obviously, he's a... But was the chat like on the car on the way there? Is it... it was all right, but, you know, a young kid who'd not seen much and... He's a superstar, that. You know, from right John now. Beck to Kevin Keegan <laughs> yeah. in, a, in an afternoon. Yeah, you've got one who literally don't want to play football and one who all he cares about is playing football. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. Is that the norm, to go and stay at a manager's house before you... Not that, that I know of. No. <laughs> Not and that I know of. Did you spend the evening with him, like playing board games? or like what? How? No, no, we got there pretty late because after right. the game it's 10 o'clock, so by the time we drove to Newcastle it's bedtime yeah. and then we're out in the morning. To, to, so it was literally, it was literally go to the bedroom, sleep, off you go. So you go into that dressing room, you sign for Newcastle, suddenly... 500 grand as well. Yeah. It's a good fee for a bottom division It was, yeah. I, I nearly didn't sign because I was on like 400 quid a week. That's what I was, got paid at Newcastle. Really? 100 quid a week? Yes, yeah, so I was on 120 pound at Lincoln. 120 quid? Yeah, and uh, obviously I, I knew for a fact there was people in the Lincoln dressing room who were on 1,000 pound a week. So I'm like, I go to Newcastle, I'm thinking, well, wait a minute, here we go, happy days, we're going to be, and then no, 400 quid. And I was like to my dad, I can't do it, there's people at Lincoln who are earning <laughs> twice as much. But my dad said, it's not about the money now, is it? It's about just going and wow. playing. But I got a free car, though, I got a free, but, uh, free car. So. That's definitely oh, that's wonky, isn't it? Because half a million transfer fee and 400 yeah. quid a week, that's out of step, surely. That's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> but my, my, my dad was right. He said, this is a chance you can't. Yeah. They know and, that and, they've and got you. King, he, was, he, he actually wanted you to earn it. He didn't just want you to go and have loads of, you know, have loads of money and start. So yeah. you still have to, you still, your mind was switched on that this was kind of the only in the beginning. It's not, you haven't kind of made it. Yeah. yeah. And then when you get in the chain room and you see the players you're with, you realise that you haven't made it. The Shearer, Beardsley, Ginola, Ferdinand, some big characters on slightly more than 400 quid a week as well. Yeah, because the club was flying at the time as well. I think they were top of the Premier League and you know, Beardsley was one of my heroes as, as growing up. So to actually just be in the same group, even though kind of not part of it, but still in yeah. the same group was, was amazing for me. Are they welcoming in that situation? You know, I can remember my first training session, we did like, it was like 2v2s and 3v3s and I was on Beardsley's team. And I had one of them things where I scored three or four goals, you know, in, in quick succession. And he actually said, wow, we've got a player here. And for him oh, to say that, yeah, but to have that as you, from one of your heroes saying that in a training session, I was like, wow, I kind of made it a bit today. Were you intimidated at all in training or were you like, I'm going to show these guys? What I won't say I was intimidated, but I also knew that they were at a different level to where I'd been at. Mm. You know, because, you know, you play, you play at Lincoln, it's a third division and, you know, you think you're a, f- a footballer. And you are, but then you go to a big club and you see proper players and you realise I've got a long way to go. Yeah. And I, I, I felt that, you know, with the players I have in front of me, you know, your Asprias, Ferdinand, Shearer, Beardsley, Kitson. And what's the, what was Keegan like to play under in that? Because he seemed such an inspiring figure at the time and such a... I think he just kind of let, let the players get on with it. You yeah. know, he, he just wanted to attack and you saw that if he had a, a defensive bone in the body, he'd have probably won the league that year. Yeah. But it was everyone's second favourite team, wasn't it? That's, yeah. But it's, it's, for training was was classic. For forwards, it was brilliant. You yeah. know, finishing and all kinds of stuff. So, you know, as an attacking player, it was great to to play for him. What was David Ginolar like? Unbelievably good. Like, Mind blowingly good. He could do everything. He's like six foot two, six foot three, stacked, good with both feet. Looks a million dollars. <laughs> great hair. Great hair. <laughs> great hair package. And he was one of the only one in my old career really. Where every morning he'd go around and shake everybody's hand, whether you were Les Ferdinand. Alan Shearer really? or one of the young lads. I was blown away by that. Did, is it true that he would like just be smoking cigarettes kind of around the place? He probably did a bit sneakily, but I've definitely seen him have a, a fag. <laughs> he can do what you want. When you do David Ginola, you can do yeah. what you want. <laughs> did you cross over the Aspria? Yeah, yeah. And what was he like? 
It yeah. felt like he'd... Well, he just felt like he was from a different kind of world yeah, in the he, sense of... He, he kind of was. He was kind of a, a maverick. He didn't really speak any English and just he just did his own thing. Whether he probably... I wouldn't say it was just him, but you know, it kind of changed the way the, the, the team played a little bit. Yeah. So... I won't say it was his fault that we didn't didn't win the league, but you know he probably off the cuff didn't help. Yeah, he scored a lot of good goals though. Yeah, yeah. he was a great player. You know, well, well, I think his most famous night in a Newcastle shirt was the four three defeat to Liverpool. You were in the team in and around at the time. Were you there that night? No, I wasn't there that night. I was watching yeah. it on TV. Oh man, but it was mental, wasn't it? Oh, still, God. still probably one of the greatest games of all time. Yeah, I know. Definitely. What was it like going into training the next day? Cautious, <laughs> especially when you're a young kid as well. It's one of them things where you just kind of keep your head down. And but what was the morale like in the team after he did that? I would love it. Kind of rant on to. Had you all seen that? Was there any discussion? Do you remember? Uh, probably weren't discussions, but to be fair, I wasn't really in the inner circle. If yeah, I'm going to be honest yeah, with you, because yeah. but you could see that you know Ferguson had done one on him, hadn't he? So, yeah. but he'd done it. He'd done it to many people over the years as well. So. Keegan won't be the well. He will be the last probably because he, he don't manage anymore. But yeah, it's just one of them things where they just couldn't get over the line. When you do that with footballers, like he said about Leeds, and when you do things like that about a man like Stuart Pearce, I'm, I, I've kept really quiet, but I'll tell you something. He went down in my estimation when he said that. We have not resorted to that, but I'll tell you, you can tell him now if you're watching it, we're still fighting for this title, and he's got to go to Middlesbrough and get something. And, and I'll tell you, honestly, I will love it if we beat them. Love it. Through that season, did it feel like the whole mood changed and people got tense? And it like, because it just felt like Newcastle tensed up. Do you know what I mean? And it just, yeah, they probably could see the, the finishing line, but you also knew that Man United were relentless. You know, yeah. back then, you know, it's a different animal then than it is now. Yeah, they knew they were coming, and they, they did it every year. They, they always finished strong, and they just didn't just didn't have the legs. And then you got loaned out to Millwall. How was that? Yeah, it's, like I said, I just wanted to play football. I've yeah. always been wherever in my career. If I haven't been playing. I can't just sit there and do nothing. So yeah. I went and went on loan. My wife's uh, mum and dad's car got broke into on the first day. <laughs> first game they came to, the car got ransacked. <laughs> so that was, welcome, welcome to the new yeah, day. Yeah. Welcome to Millwall. <laughs> but, uh, I enjoyed my time there. You know, I scored. I think I scored three goals in six games. I think so. You know, I just wanted to play, and I would have probably signed for him if I if I if I got the chance. It just mm. you know, you just wanted, I just wanted to play football. But you signed instead for Coventry. So was it a tough decision to kind of leave Newcastle like that? Or? No. No? No. I kind of went on, again, I went on trial, kind of trial. Went to Jersey to play in a, a game over there with the rest of the squad. I did okay again. What is did okay? Double hat-trick again? No, I, I think I did score an hat-trick, but, <laughs> but it was against a Jersey select 11. So they could, could have been farmers playing there. <laughs> um, you got a million pound price tag, which is obviously a lot for a young player. How much does that kind of affect you? Is it a cliche that... You're thinking about it, Newcastle did pretty well, doubling the money when I only played two sub-games. Yeah, yeah, 400 quid a week. Yeah. Did you, so yeah. you played two sub-games for Newcastle? Two, two sub-games, yeah. Did you never start for Newcastle? No. Did you not come close to like... No, I can, I can remember I was Actually, I was meant to be on the bench for, a, I think, a League Cup tie. I think it was Anfield, and I'd already played in the in the earlier rounds for Lincoln. So yeah. I kind of I was named, and obviously named in the changing room. And I'm thinking, I'm sure you can't play. In <laughs> so, 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 I, so I had to pull Kevin King and say, Kevin, I think I've actually already played in this oh my. cup. I said, Is it change where if you move club you can? He goes no, so I had to I had to get kicked off the bench. <laughs> oh, that must. So have as a young been. kid, it's, you know, you never played at Anfield, and you kind of. Like, oh, but hey, that must have been nerve wracking telling him. I, I was thinking, do I tell him or do I just keep quiet? And then I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah. if they get kicked out of the cup because I've not said anything, oh. so I just had to say something. And 
Yeah, that's one of the things, isn't it? Oh, man. <laughs> um, so when you signed for Coventry, Gordon Strachan's the man. Did he give you a kind of tough sell on Coventry? How much did you need to be convinced? Uh, I, I got on with him straight away, to be honest with you. I, I, it was Premier League. I just wanted to play. So, I, you know, I, I, I kind of jumped at the chance. Straight away, I got on got on well with Gordon. Yeah. We had a kind of a love-hate kind of relationship. Oh, <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, he's did he, play, did he, he was playing manager. Did he take you to stay in your, his house for the first night? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then alongside you, Dion Dublin up top. That's a classic kind of big man, little man. Yeah, we kind of hit it off straight away. Yeah. But we also had some really other good players as well. You know, Gary McCarthy was unbelievable. Kevin Richardson, even though he's old yeah. at the time, he won two titles with Everton. You know, we had a, we had a solid group of players and yeah. it was just it was just good to be playing, to be honest with you. Because really, I haven't really, even though I've played a few games for Lincoln, I went from Lincoln to Premier League really quick there with yeah. Newcastle in between. It's kind of, kind yeah, of you were kind of unproven at the Premier League level, even though you'd moved from yeah, a million yeah, quid. Definitely, yeah, it's kind of strange. I've I'd gone for one point five million near enough and yeah. not played a Premier League game apart from a sub sub appearance. When you sign, is he like well, I'm going to play with Dion Dublin and the... not really? I think I just injected a little bit of pace into the yeah. into the team and. I can remember my first game. I was like, sub came on, set up Dion for a goal that was against Villa, and we never looked back. Really, he seems like a lovely bloke, Dion Dublin. Oh, a great guy. You still mates now? Yeah, yeah. Do yeah. you watch um, Homes Under the Hammer? Sometimes. Think, how, think sometimes, that could have been sometimes. you? No, <laughs> no. But yeah, what a, what a guy. Was he always interested in buying properties? I can't say he probably was. <laughs> He might have had a, he might have liked a bit of DIY, but I'm yeah. not. He never talked to me about I've his extensions won. or <laughs> any flooring he'd put in or anything like that. He wasn't constantly trying to sell you a house that he'd no. bought at auction and done up. No, no. But he's also invented a drum. Yeah, he's invented a drum. Yeah, have, he's, has he ever played it live for you? Yeah, yeah. He, he yeah? was he was inventing it when we was at uh, Norwich together. Oh, was he? Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw a couple of prototypes. <laughs> Did he bring them into the dressing room? Well, I think he, we knew someone who was kind of building it, so we kind of, I, I did see it in the early development stage. <laughs> you must have thought, what are you doing, Dion? I'm saying Dion can do whatever he wants. <laughs> <laughs> was he, because he seems like such a nice bloke, but he's like, as a footballer, he's a big, he plays for John Beck as this big target man. Was he a different guy out on the pitch? Yeah, was those... he, was, he was a leader. There's many times where I was getting shit kicked out of me, and he would just come in and say, "Just go stand over there. I'll deal with this." Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that, that, that's what that's what you need from your big hard centre centre forward. Yeah. Who could play as well? You know. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you know, I know he scored a lot of headers, but you know, what a player! Great awareness, great ability. You scored your first goal for Coventry against your old team, Newcastle. I always wondered, like, as a as a player, when you score against the old team, is it is it a little bit more special, or is it no different? No, it is different. Yeah, it is because you you know you you've been sold by them and you're still unproven to score and to win because it, yeah. it, it's nice to it's nice to get goals but it's about winning games really and if yeah. especially at Coventry then because every every points were needed because it was always in a relegation scrap so yeah it was nice to I won't say put one over Keegan but did you celebrate that goal or did did you yeah, yeah I didn't no, know, yeah. yeah I didn't well, I think I just ran to the corner flag and slid <laughs> into it or something I didn't know what I was doing classic but yeah it was it was, it was nice I, I set up a, a goal for Gary McAllister as well just after that so it was a good day. Oh, Huckabee's made the run. Huckabee uses his pace to get away from Albert, and Huckabee scores! The perfect start for Coventry City, just six minutes gone, and the perfect start for Darren Huckabee, scoring against the club who sold him to Highfield Road. It's a good Coventry team. It's amazing that you were in relegation fights with that kind of... Yeah, that season where we stayed up the last game of the season, I think, we had to beat Spurs away, and I think everyone else, three other teams, had to lose. 
Oh my God. What was that like as a day? To go away to Spurs and have to win. I think somebody got deducted three points as well, didn't they, in the, early on in the season? Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough. Oh, it's Middlesbrough, yeah, because yeah. they didn't put a team yeah, out. Yeah, so that was that season. So, And our game got delayed because of the fans, so we finished 15 minutes later than everybody else, so we kind of knew that we just had to win. Oh. But for, for a club like Coventry, as you yeah. see now, you know, you've got to stay in the Premier League because as soon as you come out of it, you know, God knows what's going to happen. When you're doing that last day of the season, you're waiting on what other results and stuff. Are you getting the information on the pitch? Yeah, we, we knew with about 10 minutes to go. We just had to keep as it was. And it was, yeah, it's a, it's a massive thing. You know, I know the money's mental now, but back then the money was a lot as well, just to be in the Premier League. So, yeah, yeah it's a, a great time to be a Coventry fan. Yeah. 97 98 was probably your best season for Coventry, would you say? That's the season you got that amazing goal against Manchester United. Yeah, we had, we had a. Hell of a team that year, we really did. George Brotan came, I think, and Tron Salvet, who came, who was Norwegian. Noel Whelan, you know, one of the best players I've ever played with at any club. Really? Just crazy. Really? Yeah. Why? Why? I don't think he's got that kind of reputation as a great player, is he? Out of every player I ever played with, is a, is a, is a one that didn't fulfill what he had. Really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Why, was that why injuries? Or? Injury, attitude a little bit. He just had everything. You know, he was six foot two, six foot three, could run, great engine, could head it, could score with both feet. Could play in numerous positions, but just, you know, he, he just kind of had a self-destruct button. I can remember I was in the physio room getting my ankle strapped and he came in just with a big bandage around his leg. I'm like, what, what are you doing? So he goes, don't tell the gaffer, just go and get the physio. I was like, right. So I went and got the physio, came back in, took the bandage off, he'd severed his Achilles. <gasps> what? How? Kicking the window through. Oh, oh my God! I'm like Snower, you're not going to be able to get away with this, mate. It's going to, they're, going to, they're probably going to find out that you've, you've chopped your Achilles in off. But he, he just got some local surgeon at some local hospital just to stitch it back up. Oh, really? What? Yeah, yeah. But he, what did he eventually? He's got to tell the club. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, yeah, they find out. That's that's when I think just after that, that's when Noel moved in with Strachan properly for a little bit. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Just to stop that kind. Well, of... he just he just I think he was lovely lad. Do anything for anybody, but. Kind of easy to lead a little bit, yeah. So, and I lived, I kind of I lived uh, heading towards Nottingham. So me and Gary McCaster lived quite close together. So, and I think Noel lived in the city near Leamington Spa. So like, it was kind of the, the drinking and the pubs yeah. didn't help him. So, but most ability I've seen in most clubs I've played at is the one that I look at and think he should have done so much more. Thanks to Play with a Legend for organising our guest today. Play With A Legend is the home of former footballers and whether you're looking to have a match alongside one of your heroes, organise a speaker for an after-dinner event or even arrange a legend to work with your brand, get in touch with their team via playwithalegend.com to make it happen. Well, this period of Coventry, you're, you're an established Premier League player now. You know, you'd be a hero in that town. This is probably the first time in your career that's really happening. What was it like to be in the kind of centre of the attention of a city like that? Obviously, and the game's different now. You know, now every Premier League game's got 25 minutes coverage near enough. Yeah. Back in the day, you had 30 seconds on match a day. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's what yeah, it was, yeah, unless, yeah. You're, unless you're one of the big teams. This is a shame, really, because people don't really, didn't really see how good you were. Yeah, yeah. You know, in, in our days, you'd see you creating five or six chances, but then it's... Unless your team scored, you, you wouldn't know you was playing. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a shame, really, but that's, that's how it was by then. That year you were nominated for Young Player of the Year, won by Michael Owen. How did that feel, to be nominated for that? Did you go along to the ceremony? So I'm, I'm nominated for Young Player of the Year, 
Yeah. Dion's up for player of the year, and Steve Grizzly is getting a lifetime achievement award. Yeah. So all the lads are there. All the lads yeah. are there, the manager. And they do like a you know, like they do like an intro bit which shows all the goals for the season. Yeah, yeah. It didn't show commentary once. <laughs> <laughs> How long is it? How long was the month? It must have been three, four minutes. <laughs> so I'm up for young pro of the year. Dion's, Dion was top goal scorer that season, joint top goal scorer. And Oggy was getting like, because he's been playing for like 60 years or something. <laughs> Gordon Strachan said, we're going. We're going, let's go. We're going. <laughs> but this was before it started, so we're all getting up. And then we're thinking, Oggy's actually going to has got to go up to get... Yeah. We, we weren't going to get the award, me and uh, Dion, but Oggy's actually got to go up there and collect the award. So we had to stay in the end, but... <laughs> Gordon wanted to do a walkout. Oh, he said, this is, a, this is a disgrace. We've got two players in the awards <laughs> and someone's getting a Lifetime Achievement Award and we're not even, like, in the intro. We're not even, like, not one goal or one run or anything. It's like, it kind of was a piss take. You know, <laughs> we, we had a good season. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get called up for England B squad, which uh, lost 2-1 to Chile, February 1998. Can you name any of the other players in that team? Yeah, Heskey did, because I, I crossed him the ball to score. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, That's a good front two, isn't it? Yeah. Huckabee and Heskey. Yeah, there's a bit of power and strength. Well, yeah, yeah. From him, anyway. <laughs> Lampard, was he playing? On the bench. Carragher? On the bench. Sutton, that's the one that he famously didn't turn up for. Oh, oh yeah. is it? Yeah. Is that it? That's the one, yeah. When you got that, but you think this is a chance of getting into the England squad for the World Cup. Uh, there was a lot of good strikers at that yeah, point, wasn't there? My, my, yeah, there's loads of good strikers, and all probably better than me, but to be honest with you, they already had the quick one. That was Owen. Yeah. They ain't going to take two kind of the same kind of players, are they? Yeah. I know. So, but we, Michael Owen was a superb player, so you can't really complain. But I know of all the times to be coming through when Michael Owen in yeah. '98. I mean, that's this is the best, quickest young player for a generation. Got Owen Shearer, Sheringham, Ferdinand, Collymore, Cole, Cole. Yeah, there's like Fowler, Fowler, right. Merson. Yeah, it's mad, yeah. isn't it? What? Merson played in that game. I can remember him. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, what a player he was, by the way. And is Glenn Hoddle managing that? No, I don't think he did. But I think it's not really a regret, a regret of mine, but I think from my dad wanted me to get an England cap. And I think, yeah. I, if I'm going to be honest, I was better than some that, that got them. But yeah. there's better players than me that didn't, so yeah, take it on the chin. Um, it felt like Coventry, like, 98, you're really starting to build something, and then obviously Dion goes to Aston Villa. What started to go wrong at Coventry around this time? I, I, I was actually devastated when Dion left. Yeah. I really was, because we put so much work in. Tuesday afternoons, it would just be me and him and Strachan and a few young lads working on different things. We, we really worked hard on that partnership and it literally, you come in and he's gone. It's like... And we, Is that we, how you find out as a fellow player? Yeah. You just turn up and he's not there. Yeah. God. It's probably now with social media and all this kind of stuff and yeah. texting, like, probably a bit different, but back then it was like, okay. And it's, it's not like he's joined Liverpool or Aston Villa, I know. It's similar stature doesn't have at to the move, time. I suppose. That's, that's probably one of the reasons. But he signed up, they weren't, at the time, no better than us, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. A kind of team was built around the front two. Yeah. Obviously, good good midfielders, but the attacking play was built around me and Dion, and I was just devastated because you, you just think, "Oh, that's it then." Did you hear yeah. from him, or did you like? How does that? We played him about three weeks later, so <laughs> <laughs> and he scored as well. Oh. We played him in the. I think we played him in the cup. I think we we ended up beating him. I think, but even so, for me as a player, you're thinking, "Well, wow, we've had a great season." Dion got 18 goals, which you know he's top goal yeah. in the Premier League. And then you, it's kind of gone within, you know, 24 hours. It's like, and then you then you question what, who they're going to bring in. Is it going to be the same? Who did they bring in? John Eloisi came in, but oh, yeah, yeah. he's a good player, but he's not. He's it's not, not Dion. Dion no. yeah. 
So you then get sold to Leeds United. But, but is that is that you going? There's no point in being here now. We need. I need. No, to no, know. not at all. I, yeah. I actually did not know anything about it. Really? Didn't know. Didn't, didn't know a thing about it. I got a phone call from my agent saying uh, it's all agreed. You don't have to bother going back to Coventry. They'll send you send your boots and. And I, I was like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not having this. So I, I went into training, as I normally did. I said, I, I, need, I need to speak to Strachan. And I said, told him I didn't want to go. We went and had a chat. I said, I don't want to go. You know, I'm happy here. I love my teammates. I'm playing week in, week out. I don't want to go. And he, he just kind of say, you know, it's a lot of money for the club. And I think he, he later told me that he kind of regretted selling me. But I think yeah. it was a club thing. They knew they was going to make a, a fair bit of money. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, I was going to a real good club in Leeds United. Yeah. Did you get to stay in David O'Leary's house on the first night? I live right next to him. <laughs> no, he's, he's, he's daughter, he used to babysit for me. <laughs> Did he really? Yeah, we lived on the same street. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's really weird when you move club because it's kind of like, you're just gone. It's like, you're there, next minute, completely yeah. new set of players, completely living in a new place. What's that like to walk into a dressing room? Really like? weird. I've done it a few times now, so you kind of get used to it. But especially when all your mates are at the same place and you, you, you think you're successful and things are going well, for it to just change... Yeah. Within you know, it's twenty four hours, but that, that's football, and it's you know, it's not changed over the years. And did you? Because have you got kids by that point? You sexy. Yeah, I'm just are... just about to have just about to have. And a... you've got to go home and go. We're moving yeah. to Leeds. Yeah, that's such a big thing. It's such a big thing to thrust on someone who's what twenty three or whatever you would have been at the yeah, time. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. You know, you don't know how the, the football is going to be. You don't know how you're going to get on. It's it's, it's difficult. I can imagine at that time you've got to do all that yourself. And like, I, I imagine they're just going here's some money. Good luck. Yeah, you get re- relocation money to pay yeah, for curtains yeah. and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, so O'Leary can't see yeah. into your house. <laughs> and removal removal vans and all that. But it's uh, yeah, it's really strange and you know, it does take take you a bit of time to settle and especially when you go to a club that are doing pretty well and you kinda I always thought that I was bought as a sub to come on. That's yeah. that's what I actually felt and and that's what what I did most of my time at Leeds. And was yeah. that that was during the, the Risdale spending? Yeah, 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 I was part of that. This is yeah. when the money yeah starts to get uh, splashed around. So how, how do you meet Ridsdale? Was that how these kind of yeah, yeah, negotiations you, began? You, 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 obviously, you meet everyone, and I was still kind of disappointed that I was leaving. If I'm going to be honest yeah. with you, but but then when a club accepts a bid for you, you kind of thinking, well, they don't really want me anymore. So, yeah. and then you kind of like you just got to deal with it and just move on. Do you remember? Uh, there's a famous story about Peter Ridsdale spending thirty grand on his fish tank. Did you ever see that fish tank? Was there a really impressive aquatic display in the chairman's suite? No, but you could see where the money was. Not there, but you know we used to fly when we used to go to European games. We had our own plane with about thirty seats on it, and you're thinking, this is ridiculous. Long way, long way from <laughs> yeah, Lincoln. Yeah, this is yeah. So uh, you could kind of see, and then it just it ended up just buying plays for the sake of it. Yeah, you know, it's not a good place to be when. But they just totally misjudged what they had money-wise. I don't. Well, I just think they, they thought they could compete with you know at the time it was the Man United and the Arsenal. Yeah. But the problem with that is that they had a balance of their own young lads. And one or two big name players, but I know Leeds had a few young lads, but you can't just keep buying and buying and buying. Yeah. And when you're a player in that team, are you discussing like where are we getting all this money from, or like are we spending too much here? You probably don't care. You know, as <laughs> yeah. players, you're not, you're yeah, not bothered. Yeah, yeah. You, only, you only care if it's a player they're bringing in who's in your position. And then you think, oh yeah. shit, what am I going to do now? <laughs> but uh, and they had quite a lot of strikers at that point. Yeah, really. yeah. Viduka, Harry Kiel, Michael Bridges, and a young Alan Smith. Alan Smith, and then they bought uh, Robbie Keane. Yeah, it's, you're kind of thinking, you know, what's the point of this? Like, you know, I, I, that was probably my one time in my career where I, I, I don't think I produced enough, to be honest with you. But yeah. it was very difficult. You in that team, you're coming on for 20 minutes at the end of every game. It's it's hard work. Um, there's a bit of a mix of kind of young talent and some of the older pros. One of which is David Batty. 
and he's become a bit of a legend on this podcast. Everyone seems to have a David Batty story. But did how did you find him? He was just very, very quiet. Yeah. You know, yeah. He'd, he'd do his thing and go home. It would be no, like, fanfare, this, this, or this. He'd just rock up, train, and go home. He wouldn't even... You don't even know he's here unless he snapped you. <laughs> but that's how he was. He's, he had that kind of attitude where he wasn't a, a football star. Put it that yeah. Way. <laughs> he was a star footballer. You know what yeah. I mean? he, he didn't want all the crap that went with it. He just yeah. wanted to get on with his job and go home. Yeah. yeah. You got the score sheet for Leeds in the Champions League as well. 6-0 over Basiktas. Do you know that um, you, you qualifies you for a, an amazing fact? You're one of the few players to score in every existing English and European club competition. All four divisions, FA Cup, League Cup, Champions League, UEFA Cup and the Auto Windscreens Trophy. Yep. Did you know that? I didn't know that, yeah. Do you get a certificate or something in the post? <laughs> I think I made my own and put it up in my own. No, but it's, It sounds daft, but there's a lad who coming from Lincoln to actually do that is... Yeah, yeah it's, it's incredible. A, it's a, and it also, what's great about it is it shows this kind of journey that you've had. It's rare, particularly these days, maybe much more in the 90s, but it's rare for a player to work their way up in the way you did. You know, now so many people start at the top yeah it wouldn't happen now because unless you start at the top and work your way down <laughs> very quickly <laughs> but uh, yeah it's a, it's a good start to have you know it's hard to score one goal in any kind yeah. of football never yeah. mind do it in every league and every cup so you know I'm, I'm proud of that it's something not many people ever do yeah uh, December 2000 City come knocking Joe Royal was it a tough decision to leave Leeds or were you just no, desperate no. For, for games yeah I just had to get guys just playing 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there. Yeah. So to go to Man City and looking for me, you know, it's not the club what it is. Nah, but yeah. Man City is still a massive club. Massive club with unbelievable fans and it was a, a great time to be there. When you say it's, it's tough playing like 20 minutes coming on as a sub, does that grind you down when you train all week and then you just have to sit on the bench? This, yeah, it's, a, it's horrific. This is how bad it was. I used to do that and I used to come home and I used to train on my own. Did you? Yeah, I built like a little thing, in, a little gym in my ass and because I was so frustrated, I just thought I was cheating. Cheating yeah. it. That's what I felt like. I bet there's not many pros that have that attitude. I bet there must be some... We were discussing, like, third goalkeepers or, like, yeah. if, you're on, if you're constantly on the bench, it must be hard to keep yourself in that yeah, mindset. It's, 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 yeah, it can play games with your mind. I can remember one time at Leeds, it was a European game away, and I knew that I was going to come on for 20 minutes every game. So I actually did a training session in the day of the game. <laughs> Just and then, something to do. And then sort of, I think Bridget got injured after two minutes. <laughs> So I've done like an hour's training a day and then oh, oh, near the end of the game my, my legs are gone. I was like, because I've done like three hours training that day. Or but for me, personally, I just I just felt like I was cheating. I felt like yeah. I'm getting paid all this money and I'm doing 20 minutes work. So I, I, used to, I used to go home and before I went out on a Saturday night with the rest of the lads, I used to go and put in a couple of hours training. Wow. Just because I, I, I just felt like I was cheating everybody. You're phenomenally, it's clear, speak to you how driven as an individual. Like, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, kind you of. You see that. Yeah. Like, as part of why... Stupidly, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the players that were on the fringes at Leeds, a lot of them, they didn't manage to reignite their career in the way that you did, which is... Probably they got paid more money, didn't have to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You were still on 400 quid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I got paid a rise of 450. I was on there. <laughs> and I think it's an accusation made about that Leeds team that got relegated a few years later that they just didn't seem to have that commitment that you clearly did. I think there's a lot of stuff probably going on yeah, behind the yeah. scenes there that... And like any any team, whenever how good the players are, as soon as you get in a little bit of a rut, it's very yeah. difficult to get out of it. Yeah. Well, speaking of right, you signed for City, but you end up getting relegated in that first season, and obviously Joe Royal um, loses his job. What at was the Joe end Royal like? He's a good guy. Yeah. yeah, good guy. Yeah, but it needs it because there was a lot. I won't say Deadwood. There was a lot of players there that probably weren't the most professional players you've ever come across. No one so, doing a three-hour training session before the match. There was, like a, lot, you. There was a lot of drinking and a lot of. 
stuff going on there. Yeah. And it had to be weeded out. And as soon as, not, not really Joe, Joe Raw's fault. It was probably yeah, yeah. from a different generation. But the, I think the lads took the piss a little bit. When when you're joining Man City, you know, you're one of the bigger names. Is there an element where you want to go, this isn't on, guys? Yeah, I, I, I kind of, not so much that, but when we first got there, they just changed to the Manchester uh, Carrington training ground. And it was yeah. old school and it hadn't been done up yet. So there was no heating, no hot water, the pitchers were awful. So you're going from Leeds, that's been spending loads of money, to Man yeah. City who are in this old school with no heating, pitchers are terrible, lads are on the piss all the time. You're thinking, it's a bit of a shambles. <laughs> And that's what, it, that's what it was. And it needed Keegan coming in and he just changed everything. I remember going to... I went to uni in Manchester when you were there and I used to go and watch Man City at Main Road. Such a good ground, though. Such a great atmosphere. Yeah, the pitch was massive as well, for yeah. me. Yeah. Where you got loads of space, it was, like, unbelievable. I mean, and we had an amazing season as well after next season yeah. going back up. Now, I do believe that if we haven't gone back up then, it wouldn't be this Man City now because it was really yeah. important that they went up before the new stadium. Oh, right, yeah. Even though it was a little part of it, you know, we played played a, a part of this juggernaut that is Man City right now. I can't remember what game it was I went to, but I saw, I think it might have been Sheffield Wednesday, but you absolutely destroyed them. And it was obvious that, obviously, you're... It's like you're one of the better players in the Premier League and suddenly you're playing in the Championship. Was that quite fun for a season? It wasn't just me, we had some great players. Sean yeah. Mike Phillips, mm, Ali yeah. Benabia... Ile yeah. Berkovic, obviously Sean Gota. Such Tyler a Wonshaw. good team for the it was, championship. It was, it was just pure attacking. He <laughs> <laughs> got hundreds. He scored a hundred goals yeah, in the season. We just played three at the back, and then and just uh, and Stuart Pearce was, that was his last season. Yeah. So it was Stuart Pearce, Steve Harvey, and Richard Dunn, and they just stayed there. The rest of us just attacked. <laughs> <laughs> that so, must have been great fun to be a part. Of. Yeah, it, it, it was. And the city fans are amazing. They're thirty thousand there every week, and yeah, it was it was good fun. Yeah. Do you enjoy that? More than the pre- like playing at the Premier League, like smashing them in every week. I think a bit of both. Yeah, I think you you appreciate how hard it is to play in the Premier League. Now, especially the Championship's a good league now. You know, it's uh, really competitive. You've got some real good players. So, either or, really, you know, I don't see it as a bad thing not playing in the top end of the you, Championship. But... When they went down, did you think? Did you consider leaving and going to back to the Premier League, or no. did you think we need to? No, no, stay where we are because it was a big club. They needed to be in the Premier League. And yeah. when Keegan came in, obviously you'd got, not history, because he'd signed you, but is it weird when a manager that's previously sold you on and not really played you comes in and you're like, oh God, what's this going to... Yeah, you, you, you kind of don't know, but he, he rang me up and he said, you know, we've got some good players, we're going to have a right go. So as soon as he says that, you're kind of thinking, yeah, here we go, yeah. And then you went on to have loan spells at Nottingham Forest and then really kind of settled at Norwich. And I guess that's kind of where you're most well-known in the kind of noughties. And you're still in the area now. Is, would you say like Norwich is the team that represents Darren Huckabee? I would say so. I, as a player, I think I was most consistent there. I kind of changed where I played a little bit as well. So yeah. instead of being a centre-forward, I was kind of a, a left-winger, stroke left attacker. And it was a, much easier for me playing there than it was playing as a forward. As a number nine or just expected to score goals. Yeah. And when I was a bit younger at commentary and places like that, I would do silly things because I thought I had to score. Yeah. So when, when I went and played a bit wider, I could see the bigger picture and it wasn't about me scoring, it was about the team winning and you know, if I had to set up two goals or three goals, I just enjoyed that a lot more than 
having that pressure where you had to score or it was deemed that you didn't play well. So yeah. I used to have games of commentary where I played really, really well. Set up six or seven chances. But if you don't score, like I say, nobody sees it. Like yeah. Back in the old days, it was that's how it was. And a manager's understanding of that, or is that is that in your head, or is that Gordon Strachan? Not, but you know, your manager going, you need to score. Well, you know, if you're playing up front, your, your job is scoring goals. Yeah, it's like it's different now because you play kind of play a lot of teams play one up front. There's people around him and do different things. Yeah. But yeah, I, I felt a pressure which would make me do silly things. You know, try and beat five players instead of just beating two and laying it off. You, you just you get it in your head that you had to score to show everybody what you're about, and it. When I got a bit older, and especially when I moved to Norwich, I, I realised that my my attributes were running out people, taking people on, crossing, creating yeah. chances, and scoring goals. So I kind of ad- adapted the way I played a little bit. Yeah, I've been so, very, I'm very lucky. I think I'm the type of player that people kind of like watching. So that yeah. kind of makes it easier. If I was like a a right back who just chipped it down the corner of the pitch, <laughs> yeah. or just put a couple of tackles in, but. I think wherever I've been, you know, probably apart from Leeds, I won't say a fan's favourite, but I think I've always been appreciated. Yeah. At the tail end of your career, you signed for San Jose Earthquakes. Probably, for me, the most notable aspect of your time there was uh, getting interviewed on local news and an absolute car crash interview where the interviewer has no idea about football, but you're incredibly polite and kind of part with him. Obviously, I couldn't see who he was. I know <laughs> or what he was showing on TV. So I was just, I was just trying to blag it and I was thinking... This is this isn't going well. But I've just got to like, <laughs> I've just got to try and keep my cool because he literally didn't have a clue about he football. Had no yeah. idea. Greatest player that's ever lived. He was, I was like, mate, mate, no, 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 no. I actually went. He's, he's never watched a football match or anything. So I actually went on his show about two weeks later because there's oh, that really? much oh, really? there's that much YouTube traffic. Yeah. So they got me on. He was still trying to make out that I was one of the greatest players that's ever lived. I go, no, mate, no, no, no. You might have just been a big fan of you. Yeah, maybe, maybe, but. And what was it like playing in the MLS? Like, what was the standard like? There's some some good players, but it was it was it was totally different. I had a really good spell when I first got there because nobody expected me to play like I like I do. So I've yeah. just done played like I always had, and you know playing against other teams where they want to have 300 passes across the pitch, not yeah. doing much, and I just get it and try and run beat four players. The fans took to me straight away, and yeah. you know we had a, a decent little run. But yeah, it, it, it was different. Obviously, players are different, uh, mindsets are slightly different. Yeah. yeah, lovely place to live, sunshine every day. So it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't quite a, bad, a nice little. Yeah, it wasn't a bad place to spend eighteen months. You know, it's actually a decent way to finish your career, basically. Um, but well, you say you finish your career, you still do play with a legend now. Yeah, and let me we talked about it at the top, but you're still incredibly trim. Still got a bit of pace about you. Yeah. You must be absolutely ripping it past all these bankers, and they've come out for a day. The, the average, the average man is not as quick as me, <laughs> so that does help. It really, it really it stands is, it's, slightly higher than the MLS, doesn't it? Well, on the playable legend, yeah. <laughs> Vets football slightly higher than that. Yeah. <laughs> and you're um, you're doing an event in uh, May next year, aren't you, at Carrow Road for Playable Legend? Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to it. Like I say, any chance you get to get back on the on the grass. Yeah, it's, it's, it'll be a good event and, yeah. like I say, it's just nice to put the shirt on and r- run around a little bit. My final question, if you could press a button, go back in time to the 1st of January 1990 and do it all again, would you? No. No? No. no. Why is that? Scored in every division, every division, <laughs> every cup, cup. Why, why would you go back and yeah. take that risk that you're going to get snapped by centre-half in League 3 <laughs> after two games? <laughs> it's, it's true because it, yeah. it, it used to be a free-for-all back then. It literally talk about tackling... Oh, know, that was man. before the olden days where you could actually kill somebody in the tackle. Yeah. But you, you know, people try to hurt you. So yeah, especially if you're quick, you're snappy. Yeah, play I wouldn't. Like I said, 
I think I gave everything I, I had to give. I think that there weren't many people disappointed with watching me play, so mm. I wouldn't really take that chance that it could all go tits up. So I, I can't really complain, to be honest with you. Wonderful. Darren Huckabee, thank you very much. Thank you, gents. That was Darren Huckabee. Wonderful man. Lovely of all man. the players, I, I've said it in that podcast, but of all the players I've interviewed, he's the one who looks most like he could go out onto a pitch now and still still do some yeah. damage. He was in good shape. Yeah, yeah he very was. good shape. He was ripped. Also, he was a lot more competitive. You could see he had a steeliness, yeah. much like Gary Neville, which you don't expect from a kind of lightweight dribbler. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You expect them to be a kind of not really interested but highly skillful kind of person. But actually, he seems to be a very driven individual. Yeah, massively. So this series, we're asking you to leave your rating and review on iTunes in the style of some Steve Barnes slash Bruce fan fiction. Doesn't have to be five stars, but it helps. If you picked as this week's winner, you win, Michael A. Uh, You win one of our new Steve Barnes Letters for Town mugs. So the winner this week is JP Darlow Forever, who writes... Sir Lawrence slowly opened the matchbox, revealing the disgusting severed ear of our star striker. This brought back memories of when I saw my first severed ear on my fateful week in Parag, 1993. We had landed on the Monday before Mulcaster United's European Cup match against Dynamo Parag. Peter Penrice, my fellow defender, was sharing the room with me. Peter had moved to Mulcaster at the start of the season and had yet to enjoy the glory of a league championship, but we had quickly become friends. Peter was lying on his bed reading a book about the Yorkshire Ripper he had bought at the airport. A bit gruesome for me, but people can enjoy whatever hobby they want. Fancy going out for some food, Peter said. Sounds like a great idea, Pete, I responded. I then stood in the room and thought about emerging countries such as the one we were in, and how they were only a few years ago part of the Soviet Union where everything was decided for them. Now as they started on the path of democracy, the West was already starting to influence the people's lives. On the drive from the airport, I saw McRonald's and KCFs, (laughs) an appealing prospect, but I had a match tomorrow. If we won, I would treat myself, but tonight it would be just salad or fish. My thoughts were interrupted by a knock really on our door. Really has tapped in. Really, like the, the emerging countries as well. Sorry to interrupt, but this has really tapped into Barnes's prose. Well, hang on, there's a cliffhanger coming. My thoughts were interrupted by a knock on our door. Our captain, Bobby Adams, stepped into the room. Have you seen Pierre, he asked, referring to our leading goal scorer. He did not come back from his run. Wow. Very good. How many really people good. are leaving ratings and reviews on iTunes that have cliffhangers in? <laughs> <laughs> really good. Really strong. Yeah, congratulations. Um, Get in touch. We've got a lovely, lovely mug for you. Can I just ask uh, another Steve Barnes thing we've had a few correspondents about I'd like your views on? A uh, few people saying that they think Peter Penrice represents Paul Parker. But I don't think he's a manager. No, I think he had a very, very short spell somewhere. But I, yeah. I think they're just taking the alliterative P. Well, it, it, I wouldn't put that Bart past Steve Bruce as a uh, yeah. as an inability to come up with a new name, but I don't <laughs> think Peter Penrice is Paul Parker. i tell you what I'd like to do. If listeners could try and figure out what pub The Feathers is in real life <laughs> and then send us a link to the TripAdvisor and we'll read reviews of that pub. <laughs> <laughs> right, the quiz. Yeah, time for the end of episode 90s football quiz. Chris and Josh face off against each other to pick which song plays out at the end of the show. It's the usual favourite, starting 11. The match in question, in tribute to our guest today, Mr Darren Huckabee, is Aston Villa versus Coventry City, 27th of Feb, 1999. Oh my God. It's currently 3-1 to Skull. This is big. This is a, this is a real... Well, it's a two-pointer, isn't it? Because each game's worth <laughs> one point. But it's a real two-pointer. Chris... <laughs> Would you like to go first? 
Why not? Does this game matter? Does any uh, game matter? Am I right, guys? <laughs> Sports arbitrary. <laughs> yeah, keep it light. <laughs> but do you know what? Is this a special game? No, no it's just okay. a, a random game in February. Okay. Coventry 1-4-1, if that affects okay, it. Cool. Uh, Dion Dublin. Not even sure who's playing for at that point. Incorrect. Whoa, he's lost a life. That's insane. Could be the shortest ever. Darren Huckabee? Imagine if he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Oh. Um, Lee Hendry. Oh, no. Apologies. Apologies. Oh, here we go. Oh, here we go. Uh, I was obviously looking up front, forgetting. <laughs> he was playing at centre back. <laughs> no, that's rubbish. He's not. He was playing at centre back for Villa. What? So, <laughs> <laughs> Same area so, of the pitch on. as up front for Coventry. <laughs> so, so. VAR. VAR. Chris. Your life is reinstated. Taking it okay. back. Taking it back. It's um, unbelievable. I think the game had moved on. I think it'd be unfair because <laughs> it affected my bet. <laughs> right, one all. Lee Hendry. Correct. He's playing in golf, Coventry. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mark Bosnich. Incorrect. Oh! Gary McAllister. Oh no, he'd be at Liverpool then. Incorrect. Oh. But this would send me out if I get this wrong. 99. Pressure. Pressure. Yeah, it is pressure. It is pressure, actually, yeah. Um, I'm going to go Sorry, with... Hold on. You're joking. <laughs> Karen McAllister was playing. Oh, my God. Really? <laughs> All I'll say is that this image is very small. Uh, <laughs> this is a sham. <laughs> so Skull's still got three <laughs> lives. <laughs> <laughs> still I mean, I've lost it. Yeah. <laughs> You know how they say. No, you know how they say Liverpool, like when they're winning in the way they're winning, you know that they've won the title. <laughs> this really is a sign that Skull's got this sewn up. This winning series. scrappily. Yeah, That's you're a winning sign scrappily. of a champion. Yeah, total sign of a champion. <laughs> okay. So, so Skull still has two lives left. Okay. Josh. So I'm gonna go Paul Merson. Oh God. Correct. Oh, correct. Um, Julian Joachim. What? Was he at Villa then? Correct. What? Four for four for Skull. Well, probably not. You're going to check and <laughs> Julian Joachim wasn't there. <laughs> so, Mark Bosnich was incorrect. He was on the bench. Okay. Yeah, that's, I don't know who the goalie is then. Um, who are the other team? Coventry? Yeah. Have we done their goalie? No. Well, uh, I was tempted. It can't be, can yeah, it? Yeah, that's what I thought. But what a way to go out it would be. I don't think it can be. It can't be. Come on. No. Um, <laughs> this could be the moment that Paul saves Paul Telfer. Season. Correct. Ugo Ehihog. Come on, mate. Have a good look, yeah. Incorrect. Oh. A skull. Suddenly, Gareth Southgate. Oh, that's my next go. Correct. Oh, and suddenly Skull could lose it. <laughs> Alan Wright. Little Alan Wright. Correct. Oh, no. Got found a run of form here. Well, you haven't. You've got one in a row. <laughs> <laughs> what have we, have we got? Any strikers for Aston Villa yet? Yes, you had Julian Joachim. Right. Why are you saying that? It's Joachim. Joachim. Uh, have we had any strikers for Coventry? You've had Darren Huckabee. Noel Whelan? No. Come on. Put your foot through some glass that week. Incorrect. Oh, Skull deserved it, to be fair. Oh. I was hanging on. So, the ones you could have had for Aston Villa in goal, Michael Oakes. Oh, I wouldn't have got that. Uh, in defence, Steve Watson. 
Simon Grayson, Ricky Shimika. Did we say Lee Hendry? I think we, yeah, did. we did. Uh he said Paul Merson, then Ian Taylor and Julian Joshim. Uh, I don't I don't feel I don't feel like I've missed any glaring no. errors there. Coventry in goal was Magnus Hedman. Oh I almost said that. Uh, and then in defence, Dave Burrows, Roland Nilsson, Richard Shaw, Paul Williams in midfield, George Boateng, Steve Frogger, Gary McAllister, Paul Telfer. Then up front, John Aloisi and Darren Huckabee. Yeah, I, don't, I don't feel like I've missed any flaring ones. So that means Skull is in the lead, four points to one. <gasps> what song would you like to play at the end of the show? For my song, please can I have, in honour of Steve Barnes going, Steve Bruce, sorry, going on holday to Brazil in the middle of Huddersfield season, the soundtrack to the Nike advert from the World Cup in 98 where Brazil were playing football in the airport, which I, which I think you said was Sergio Mendes. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Next week, we are joined by the brilliant comedian and podcaster Ben Partridge to discuss an astonishing documentary about Gillingham. Robbie Slater, see you later. Is this